Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 191. My name's Adam Patterson. Joining me today, as always, Kevin Reichstraw. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. That's good to hear. I'm a little bit sick this week. I've been sick all week. Bit of a cold, nothing major, but uh, if I sound nasally or if I go quiet for a little bit, that's because I'm I'm having a coughing fit. Oh, nice. So that's, yeah, uh, apologies if I don't sound great on this recording. Uh, this week on the show, we got two reviews lined up with Rick Alverson's comedy, uh, I almost want to call it an anti-comedy. Pretty much. Entertainment. And the two-and-a-half-hour single-take film, Victoria. Of course, we'll also be going over someone we've been watching on the watch list, movie predictions, new on Video On Demand, Blu-ray releases. Before we jump into the news, I want to quickly thank our latest Patreon subscriber, Bob Gherkin. Thank you so much, Bob, for supporting what we do on the show. If you want to help keep the site running and keep the show going, you can head over to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmpulse. Give what you can. Every little bit helps, and we appreciate that so very much. Let's start things off by hopping into some news. Not a whole lot going on this week, honestly. I was I was really kind of scrounging the, the interwebs, looking for bits of movie news, and it seemed like the thing that... M- most people were talking about this week, and I don't even know why I'm going to mention this, but I am anyway, is the whole hashtag all my movies Shia LaBeouf thing. Have you yeah, seen my, or... Jesus Christ, yes. Have you seen Fucking about this? Thing? Everybody. everybody. Everybody was talking about this. And, I, and, you know, as soon as I read about it, I went, I went to the site and I watched like 30 seconds of him watching something mm-hmm. and i was like okay there it is and then that was it i moved on with my life exactly as should everyone else but no like people actually wrote articles and stuff yeah it was like a whole thing and then they and then some some sites are like the best reactions the <clears throat> best reactions from his so if you're not familiar what he did was shia labeouf had a 72 hour marathon uh, where he watched all of his own movies and he had a live stream of him watching them mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you could you could go to the this website and watch him watching his movies mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it was it was 72 hours straight uh, i think there obviously were some breaks in there bathroom breaks and what have you but for the most part it was a marathon they did it here uh, at the uh, Angelica mm-hmm. Film Center, did you go? Great, did you great get theater? Did you get in there? No, I didn't. It was free. You could go uh, and pop in on any of the movies. They were all free. But I had no interest. What, what do I want to go see? Holes with freaking Shia LaBeouf? Give me a break. <laughs> I seem to so, remember that he enjoyed watching Holes. I I can imagine. So I don't know. What do you what do you think about this? What do you what what's your take on on this? I mean, sure. <laughs> okay, that's do you, do you, fine. Do you think it's I guess. do you think it's narcissistic? Not entirely. Well, I guess a little bit. I mean, he's still he's essentially just ripping off cheering from uh, Kurosawa. So it continues his plagiarism thing. <laughs> uh, I think it's his 
perhaps his most interesting performance or whatever you want to call it. This this new this new thing that he has where he does this performance art shit. I think it's interesting that there there's kind of two takeaways that I've noticed. Not I haven't read all the articles and all this stuff. I have very little interest. But I think that there's generally two takeaways. One is that people are like, oh, Shia LaBeouf's at it again, being a douche. And then the other one is, uh, I can't remember, and I apologize, I can't remember who wrote the article or what the site was, but it was kind of praising it for, uh, it was basically saying that this this reaffirms why we all love the magic of movies. And it was kind of, you know, the fact that it was this kind of candid thing where it was capturing his reactions to watching these movies and even though they were movies that he was in he was still being affected by them emotionally and whatnot yeah and i think that that's that's kind of a a positive and interesting way to look at this Mm -hmm. i would agree i mean that's why i think it's one of the more interesting things that he's done yeah performance art wise but man 72 hours that's uh he had to sit through all those transformer movies Mm -hmm. mm-hmm mm-hmm Ugh, God. Poor guy. Maybe he'll make better decisions from here on out. Oh, maybe. I mean, maybe that's what he's looking at. Like, but recently, I feel like he's been doing more kind of. I I think it would be extremely interesting if, like, tomorrow came out that he's going to do an even Stevens (laughs) two. I think that that would be the best thing to come out of this. Uh, Holes two back in the hole. (laughs) That's all I did. This is just <laughs> sequels to all those early films. That would be kind of funny. My girlfriend thought that he was going to commit suicide at the end of the marathon. Wow, that would have been that would have been uh, that definitely would have been dark. Yeah, would have been. He seems like he does need some help. I hope he gets it. He does seem kind of lost, but eh, I don't know. Poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I, look, a lot of there's a lot of uh, people that hate him, but I, I honestly don't have a problem with him. I don't either. I like the guy. I think think he's trying to do... I think he's a lot like James Franco in that he's trying to do interesting things. I think he's a much better version of James Franco, though. Let's be honest. Because James Franco just tries to do everything. He tries to do everything. At everything. I can't... What was the... What's the new movie that he's doing? The Faulkner adaptation? Oh, Jesus. Holy crap. Did you watch that trailer? Oh, Oh, my (laughs) God. Unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I couldn't. I I watched that and I thought it was a joke. Yeah. Anyway. Mm -hmm. Moving on. AFI Fest has concluded. Every year around this time, AFI Fest happens in L.A., and the award winners were announced. Ernie was there this year. He He goes for us every year. But the way that they do their press screenings and stuff is it's it's still difficult to get in to, to a lot of the screenings, even if you have credentials. So oh, that's cool. Uh, he, yeah, we have a couple reviews up from AFI Fest now, and I don't know if he's going to be submitting any more to us. So stay tuned for that. But the award winners were announced for this year's uh, this year's festival. I'm going to quickly run through them because there's not that many. The jury awards include uh, Land and Shade. That's the new auteur's grand jury awards. That's that's kind of the, the big award, okay. Land and Shade. Uh, the special mention, special jury mention for direction went to Alice Winokur for Disorder. Screenplay went to 
Lorenzo Vegas for Desde Allah. That's I'm probably mispronouncing that. Animated short went to Boys. These are all movies I never even they were yeah completely off my radar. So this is interesting. Animated short went to World of Tomorrow. That one we all know. We talked about that uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. several weeks ago. Live action short special mention for innovative storytelling was Rate Me. Rate Me, not the not Rape Me. Live action short special mention for nonfiction filmmaking the Reagan shorts by Pacho Velez. Animated short special special jury mention for screenwriting went to Teeth for uh, directed by Tom Brown and Daniel Gray. Animated short special jury mention for Creative Vision went to Man O' Man, directed by Simon Cartwright. And then the Audience Awards, the uh, World Cinema Audience Award went to Mustang. That one I have heard of. Um, that one's been kind of on my radar. The New Auteurs Audience Award, which is the kind of the big Audience Award, went to Landfill Harmonic. That one also is on my radar. Uh, let's see. American Independence went to James White. I know you're interested. I've been in that. wanting to see this for a long time. <laughs> Just want to throw that out there. And the Breakthrough Audience Award went to Ma. Super, by, yeah, yeah, super excited about that one too. I want to see that one. One, th- yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm aware of that one. That one looks you better. Be aware of it. Too. Yeah, that one's directed by Celia Rolson Hall. So that's AFI Fest. Uh, I've never been there, but I heard it's a it's a pretty good festival. It's uh, it seems like one of those that kind of recaps the year, basically. Yeah, pretty much. Because I mean, kind James of, White has been that's been yeah, it's about been. a lot this year. Played a number of festivals. Yeah, yeah, and AFI does AFI Fest also has a lot of the kind of big award season movies that that are about to come out, just because of the the time that they do AFI Fest, like. Uh, Macbeth was there. I can't remember. There's there's several other like big Hollywood type movies that were there as well. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, for all the reviews that we have up, you can just head over to the site and uh, check them all out. Moving on, Alex Garland's next film is uh, going to be Annihilation. It's based on a novel, right. horror, horror novel, and it's going to star Natalie Portman and Gina Rodriguez. Okay. Gina Rodriguez is uh, from the Jane the Virgin, I think. That's the show that she's on right now. I saw the pilot episode of that, and I did not like it. So did not continue with it. Uh, The story follows the expedition of four women who are sent into the mysterious Area X, which is a portion of land in the United States that's been secretly quarantined due to abnormal activity. They are the 12th expedition sent into Area X on behalf of the mysterious Southern Reach organization. The second expedition ended in a mass suicide, the third in a hail of gunfire as the members turned on each other, and the 11th returned as shells of their former selves, all dying of cancer shortly after coming back. So I believe that it is uh, something of an eco-thriller. Ooh, I hope it's plants. I think that it is going to be something involving plants or the earth in some way. Or I hope it's bees. Because I think, if I remember correctly, I don't have it in front of me, but I think the book cover is plants. Um, there's, like, plants on the book cover. Ooh. I'm interested. I was a big fan of Ex Machina, and I think that Alex Garland is, is definitely a director to watch. So, 
yeah, this this is this is one I'll be keeping my eye on for sure. Nice. Uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand could be coming back. Yes, That's exciting. So they have a Kickstarter that went up this week. Uh, it's actually our Kickstarter Sunday pick uh, this week as well. So you can read more about it on that article. Basically, what they're doing is the Kickstarter is initially for three new episodes of MST three K. And that's for $2 million. So if they hit their $2 million goal, three new episodes. However, they have all these stretch goals for additional episodes, all the way up to $5.5 million for 12 full episodes, which will be a, a season. Mm-hmm. And these are feature, feature length. So the episodes will be, you know, two hours long each. So I think that's pretty exciting. What do you think? It's well, The show's sure. been off the air for for since 1999 i think it is exciting news i like it <clears throat> yeah i mean we we grew up with this show i i remember watching reruns of mst3k non-stop on the sci-fi channel back before they <laughs> turned shitty mm-hmm. Sci-fi. and i loved it I, I i loved that show i thought it was great it was it was interesting they're just at the time there just wasn't anything like it you know and i mean there's so many imitators now yeah. It would be nice to see the, the originators come back. Yeah. Uh, it's been tremendously successful so far. They haven't reached their goal yet, but in 48 hours, they hit like almost, I think it was like 1.7 million or something in 48 hours. So, mm-hmm. yeah, they're going to, they'll definitely hit the three episode goal, but I don't know, five and a half million. They, they could. I, I could see it happening. They have 26 days left as of now. So. I think that there's a good chance that they'll hit five and a half million. And the good, the other good thing about it is once these networks and especially streaming services like Hulu or Netflix or Amazon, once they see the success and see the, the, the support of this comeback, I would not be surprised at all if one of those uh, networks or services picked, picked it up for an additional season or whatever. I wouldn't be either. Because, I mean, if I remember correctly, the show's been, like, canceled and brought back and switched channels and stations and all that several times over the years. So, I mean, I know it started off as a cable access show. Yeah. So, yeah, good good things for, uh, definitely good news for fans of the uh, the show. New trailers this week. Got a couple things. Nothing, uh, honestly, I'm not really into most of these ones that I'm about to list off. Disney's... The Finest Hours, that's the live-action story about the uh, Coast Guard rescue. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I'm not, uh, no. not digging on this one. No. Moonwalkers, this this is really the only one that I'm interested in. This is the one with uh, Rupert Grint and Ron Perlman about a, a CIA operative who has to try to track down Stanley Kubrick, but he can't find him, so he ends up hiring... A, a a rock band manager to fake the moon landing for the government. Okay. Yeah, it sounds uh pretty interesting. <laughs> kind of into that. My big fat Greek wedding two. What? Why? Not into that one at all. Looks pretty bad. Janice, little girl blue, which is the Janice Joplin documentary. Okay. Are you into that one? No. Okay. And you, weren't you weren't you a Janice Joplin fan? Yeah. Uh-huh. Not into a no. biopic? No, I'd rather just listen to Janis Joplin music. Okay, there you go. 
And finally, The Lady in the Car with Glasses and a Gun. I wonder if that title's going to change. It's I don't think, I don't I do not think so because they have they just released a poster this week too. So, I don't think that name is going to change. I'm pretty sure they're going to That's stick with that's that. one of those titles that sounds like it's going to be straight to VOD. Oh yeah, I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I didn't watch the trailer, so I'm not sure what it's all about, but uh, <laughs> not not a great title there. That's it. That's that's it for the news. Let's move on. Let's talk about our first movie of the week. I was thinking we could we could do entertainment first. What do you think? Let's do it. Okay. So this is written and directed by Rick Alverson. I have a synopsis here. En route to meet his estranged daughter and attempting to re- revive his dwindling career, a broken aging comedian plays a string of dead-end shows in the Mojave Desert. This stars Greg Turkington, and uh, it also features Ty Sheridan, Michael Sarah, John C. Riley, Amy Simetz, uh, Tim Heidecker. We'll start it with you, Kevin. Kevin, what would you think of entertainment? Uh, I have no fucking idea. <laughs> that's that's. I'm I'm just lost. I'm lost. It's a it, it's I'm a so really <laughs> it's a really tough movie. And I will say I'm lost in a good in a good way. I mean that. In a good way, um, I wasn't necessarily lost in the sense that I just wanted it to end or anything like that. It's just, it's a very perplexing movie, and I'm not quite sure what it means or how to unfold everything, you know, to unpack everything that's in there. Because there's there's a lot going on, but Alverson doesn't really give you any clues or hints, it seems like, as of right now for me. I haven't gotten a lot of time to process this one. I have a feeling that this one's going to stick with me for a couple of weeks. Yeah, I'm just going to try and decipher this thing, which is which is always a positive for me. If a movie can do that, that it, it it's a success. That's what I want from a movie, really. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of the imagery and a lot of the the, the strange things that happen in this movie are very nightmarish. Like there's as as he starts to crack, as he starts to break during this this long desert road trip he becomes unhinged and things just start to get progressively more surreal yeah yeah and yeah it's it's uh it's a really tough movie to kind of wrap your head around but i i liked it tremendously and it's it's a really challenging film it's a film that you know it's actually i'm looking on imdb and it's it says drama here i think it's being billed as a comedy, but and it is funny. It's a little, it's, it's a little bit of everything. It's but, it's equal parts very very dark, and, and there's some there's some drama in there, and there's there's some there's at least one scene that was genuinely shocking to me. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot going on here, and I'm not quite sure what any of it means. But I do know that the cinematography is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, the music from Robert Dunn. I was not expecting that because that has a very eerie quality to it and just makes everything mysterious. Plus the, of course you have the desert too, which is just inherently mysterious. It's just such a enigmatic film. Really? I'm just so yeah. perplexed. I'm befuddled. <laughs> I like when I get befuddled because I'm just, yeah. I just, I essentially like every five minutes or so, I just kept throwing my hands up in the air. Like I, I don't, 
I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going on. You know, there's dream sequences there's, and then they throw in like a chromotherapist, which is, I don't understand any of that. Never even heard of that before. <laughs> it's just everything. Just like you said, he, he becomes more and more unhinged and unsteady. And then out of nowhere, other things introduce themselves that I, I don't understand. I'm just lost. I'm so lost. I essentially become the comedian in the film. I'm just completely lost. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of like the way. One of the things I took away from it is the, just the the ever present loneliness that he felt was it just continued to mount. And the this this trip that he was on, the fact that he was in the desert and it was just there's miles of nothing and it was just so barren and empty. Yeah. And every show that he did seemed to just chip off a little bit more of his psyche until finally he just lost it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, the loneliness, the disconnect with him, you know, calling his daughter a number of times throughout the movie. Yeah, it was just... Uh, I don't know. And and also, it seemed like he was completely lost, too, as far as his career and where he was at in his life. It was just sad. It was just sad. It was kind of a sad movie. It was a depressing movie. It was. It was very depressing. But I, I liked uh, I liked John C. Riley's character. I thought he was pretty funny. I liked. I, a lot. I enjoyed Ty Sheridan. Yeah, oh, Ty. For some reason I don't know why. Ty Sheridan, in a lot of ways, was kind of the antithesis of Greg Turkington's character, where Ty Sheridan was just he was just happy. He was living life. He was having a good time. He was meeting people, having fun. Which is it, which? There's a nice, an interesting dichotomy between his character and Turgidin's character because both of their their uh, performances are just there's nothing to them really, especially Ty Sheridan's character. But people reacted to it for some reason and they enjoyed it, even though he's just like bouncing a ball or jumping yeah, but... up and down, <laughs> clapping. Yeah, it's just, just like the positivity would wear off, whereas Turgidin's character is not positive in any way whatsoever of course he gets he gets it back multiplied what he gives out really and just just to be clear by performances you mean the per, the performances that the characters have yeah on yeah, stage, yeah they're, not they're, the actors yeah they're, just to be... they're bits you know ty sheridan yeah, so like like barely a clown and all he does is like clap jump up and down and do chicken <laughs> wing yeah he like stomps his foot he stomps his feet and claps and I don't know. It's a, Fake stripping and it, off and then shitting into a hat. Yeah. And people are like, oh, that's kind of funny. They just eat it up. It's they not. just eat it up. <laughs> the, the, one of the, the one of the things that I love the most about, and now I, I'm assuming that this is supposed to be the Neil Hamburger character. Yeah. That Greg Turkington does. Even though he's, he, he they never say that. And Well, he does go by Neil. Oh, does he? Yeah, he goes by Neil in the, in the movie. So. Oh, okay. I didn't, I didn't remember that. All right, so it's supposed to be the Neil Hamburger character that that Greg Turkington does. I love the the fact that he always comes out on stage with like five glasses. <laughs> I just and he's just the, his whole set. He's holding five glasses in his arms and just trying to balance them. That is apparently that's like that's the center of the shtick. He's got to have those three, whether it's three water bottles, three cups of juice. 
or three I turns, whatever it is. I love it. He's got to have it. And that and clearing his throat. I love that too. I love that too. <laughs> and like, for whatever reason, I just love his, his care top bit. <laughs> the fact that he just keeps repeating the same word and starting over, over and over. I don't know why, but I find that funny. Uncomfortable and funny. Yeah, that's the, that's kind of the funny thing about the the Neil Hamburger persona is that the jokes aren't really funny, but it's all about the just delivery. The, yeah, just the delivery, the presentation, his voice, the why, <laughs> why, <laughs> legendary. <laughs> oh God, it's funny. It is. It's it's funny because the jokes that he tells are not funny, and they're very like very abrasive and very racist and offensive and offensive extremely offensive yeah but it just uh i don't know it just everything else about the the character is great that's what that's what makes that character work the way he handles um the way he handles yeah yeah hecklers (laughs) oh god just i uh, yeah i don't know i just don't understand this at all as of right now I could see this, and I haven't read any reviews or anything on this, but I could see this as being a movie that people that really don't know what to expect or don't know what they're getting into are going to come out of this just livid. They're going to hate it, I bet. Yeah. Because it is not. I think a lot of people probably had the same reaction with the comedian, or the comedy, I mean. Yeah. Uh, Because with the comedy, people were probably going into it thinking, oh, it's, you know, Tim... Tim Heidecker. Uh, it's like, gotta be hilarious. Yeah, so it should it should be like Tim and Eric, but nope, not like that at all. No, and I think you're right because I'm on IMDb here, and even though the message boards on IMDb is kind of like a cesspool of terribleness, the 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 most recent post is worst film I have ever oh, seen yeah. at Sundance in the 18 years I have attended, and that's coming from Dingle. 96. So. <laughs> Way to call out Dingle on the show. What? Well, I mean, your name's Dingle. I got to point that out. Well, there's, let me tell you, there's been a lot, a lot of movies that have been far worse at Sundance. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, this, this, this is not a bad movie. It's a good movie. It's, it's a perplexing movie. It's a difficult movie. Even if, it, even if you don't like the substance of entertainment, you got to at least give credit to the actual filmmaking yeah. portions of it, the actual cinematography, the, the editing, the music, the score, the performances themselves. I mean... Yeah. Visually gorgeous. I love the dream sequences, all of the uh, nightmarish dream sequences that he had. It looked awesome, and I love seeing... Greg Turkington in that freaking suit, <laughs> the cowboy hat. <laughs> oh god, <sighs> it's just great. It's it's a, it's also a movie that I think warrants multiple viewings. Oh, definitely, you, more than yes, yes. Because I think it's the type of movie that you can glean more from on uh, multiple watches definitely. if if you can if you can handle it br- if you can do it <laughs> if you can bring yourself to endure it multiple times i'm just i'm so confused yeah i was not a, i gotta i i gotta admit i was i was not expecting that to be honest and it was yeah, gonna a be bit. a bit challenging because rick alberson's films are always they all, challenging. They all have, yeah. you know they're always challenging in one way or another 
but I wasn't expecting this. They'd just be completely confused. Yeah, it's a more complex film than the comedy, too. So I, I think that he is... I think it's probably his most complex, I would say. Yeah. Got Dean and, Stockwell uh, showing up. Yeah. Got that Dean Stockwell bump. Dean Stockwell bump. <laughs> uh, and the old interaction with Michael Sarah. The yeah, that was a weird that was weird. It just <laughs> I don't That was weird and I kinda I kinda loved that scene. I did too. And I don't know why. I can't I can't put it into words what I experienced with this movie it's perplexing on all fronts yeah i was gonna like because i saw i went to a press screening of this many many months ago and i was gonna write a review for it right when i saw it just just to so i could you know have all the thoughts fresh in my mind and i was like oh after i came out i was like oh man i gotta sit with that for a little while and then i never ended up writing a review because i i I don't know what to say like I, i do not know what to say about this movie it's I came out of it and I was like, I think I liked that a lot, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. Well, we're gonna give it a rating anyway, so let's go ahead and do it. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, what do you give in entertainment? Uh, keep in mind that this rating is coming from a place of absolute befuddlement. So I'm gonna say like a seven and a half. Yeah, I am going to say. I'm going to throw out a seven on this one. Okay. And I will also throw out the caveat that I, uh, I'm not exactly sure how to react to, to this one either. It's so, mm. so how about like five bags of popcorn and a guilt? <laughs> yeah, there we go. Get well there, card. There we go. I think that's appropriate. <laughs> five bags of popcorn and a get well card because uh, there you have it. That's entertainment. It's playing in select cities right now, and you can watch it on VOD. Let's talk about Victoria. So this one actually came out a couple weeks ago. Just getting to it now, but whatever. Get it. Whatever. We're doing it anyway. I've been meaning to, to see this anyway, and I'm, I'm glad that you had the up. Op- Where did you see this? I went to the Charles for the birthday. Charles. Ah, okay. Nice, nice. Yeah. So... This is uh, directed by Sebastian Shipper. I have a synopsis here. A young Spanish woman who who has newly moved to Berlin finds her flirtation with a local guy turned potentially deadly as their night out with his friends reveals a dangerous secret. Oh. So I'll, I'll start this one off because uh, I have just a little bit of a... I just want to talk about my movie-going experience with this and yes. sort of give a plug because I, I have yet to plug Nighthawk Cinema that mm-hmm. is that is here in New York. It's in Brooklyn, and it's very similar to the Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, it has a, they have a chef, and you can get food when you watch your movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went, this was the first time I, I went to this, this theater, I've been meaning to go for for a long time since I've lived here actually and uh just never got around to it but I saw Victoria was playing there and uh decided decided to do it. Um the popcorn that I got there it was a seasonal popcorn and it was uh freaking it was maple honey butter yeah. and cinnamon toast crunch. Okay. And it was amazing. All right. Holy fuck. <laughs> Right now, they also have a special um, entree for Victoria 
called uh it's called not peanuts which is petite filet tartare roasted hazelnuts uh capers red onion parsley mustard and uh they also have a a signature cocktail for victoria called the mephisto waltz <laughs> so Getting fancy. If, yeah if you fancy if we go on experience if you're in new york or if you take a trip here be sure to check out Nighthawk Cinema. It's a, it's a really awesome place. And if you have your... There's a bar downstairs. And if you take your ticket stub downstairs, you get a $4 draft. So it's awesome. Getting, getting back to the movie itself. Um, it's an inter- This is an interesting one. I was... Uh, first off, I'll say that I did uh, like Victoria quite a bit. Uh-huh. It, was, it was kind of a technical marvel to me. The fact that it was done in, in a single take and it i like the fact that i read that the the script for this was only 12 pages long so almost the entire movie was improvised which is something you have to do if you're going to make a movie like this yeah because you know if you flub a line you're not going to yell cut an hour in and have to do it all over again correct but uh i, I was really impressed with some of the specific things that they did uh despite it being a single take uh shot like a lot of this stuff was pretty complex like a lot of the camera movements a lot of the framing stuff like that was a lot more complex than i expected it to be i thought that it was going to be pretty simple just because you know the, you you got to keep it somewhat simple yeah. or else you, you run the risk of ruining everything by one false movement or whatever Especially kind of when it when the action started picking up at the end, I will say that it it felt a bit too long. I mean, this is pushing two and a half hours, and although I appreciate the fact that they devoted a lot of time to building up these characters, uh, it was it still felt like a little bit too much. And I total I totally get that you're you kind of write yourself into a corner when you want to do a movie in real time like that. But I don't know, maybe pick it up a little bit later or, or have their relationship pro- progress a little bit faster or something. But I was definitely feeling the length of the movie. Oh yeah. But overall I, I had a, a really good time with this one. What did you think? I did not like this. What? I did not like this. It's entirely too long. The, wow. the, the, the whole, the whole story itself is complete nothingness and ridiculous. The one take is pointless it adds nothing to the movie outside of like you know it's one night which great cool but i did not see any complexity in the in the one take it's just a camera following people around as they really do nothing it's just oh it's such a nothing of a film the the complexity to to me what i was referring to is the fact that you know, sometimes they're they're on bikes. We move to different locations. We drive in cars. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, yeah. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. But at the same time, all you're doing is just following people walking to another spot or riding a bike to another spot, and then you just catch up with them. It just there wasn't there wasn't anything there for me. There was no. nothing that that I thought. Well, shit. Yeah, you had to do this in a single take. You had to. There was just no reason for it outside of. You know, to be able to slap on the poster, one city, one night, one take, which I well, just don't like this. I don't like it. I don't want it. I like it. I didn't. I like it was. I, I enjoyed some of the, well, not necessarily enjoyed. 
but I found it interesting some of the things that they employed in order to kind of make the single take much easier. Like number one, that there's not a whole lot of dialogue and the dialogue that you do have is you have foreigners speaking in English. So if they flub up their lines, it's okay because they're speaking a second language. Plus they're drunk. Plus they're drunk. So you have that kind of set up where you essentially, you justify any flubs in the lines. Yeah, I think that that was a very deliberate thing that they did where they started it off in a club and they were drinking like heavily throughout a large portion of the movie so that they were all kind of wasted. Mm -hmm. And like there's a there's a couple scenes like where the one dude drops his cigarette and then there's another scene where. (laughs) Are you talking about the one because I this was my favorite part of the movie is the one at the end where uh, the blinker character or towards the end, the blinker characters kind of like freaking out. He doesn't want to do what they have to do and they get out and they're trying to figure out everything. And he wants, he, you know, he gives them that look. He's like, give me that fucking cigarette. And then you could tell that he was going for such a badass take there. And then the fact that he drops the cigarette just kind of ruined it. And you know that in his head, he was like, fuck, I have one shot at that. And I fucked it up. There was another scene where, when she was getting on the bike with him and she, she broke his cigarette. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that any of those things were were necessarily intentionally done, but it, it all worked within this movie because everything felt very, very natural. Yeah, and I mean, the performances make up for a lot of the the things that I have, you know, a lot of the faults that I have with this film. The, the performances make up for a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, they're fantastic. I'll give you that. I thought, I thought that the, the guy... Uh, What's his name? Son? Son? What is his name? Yeah, Son. The the main guy. Son? Frederick Lau. I thought, yeah, Frederick Lau. I thought that he was fantastic, especially at the end. Uh, I'm not going to give it away. I'm not going to spoil it. But at the end, I thought that his performance was was really, really great. I mean, I'd say, I'd throw out the word powerful. I'd throw out the word, word powerful. Oh, boy. Towards the end there. Uh, It was annoying at times. I felt myself getting annoyed. I don't usually like watching drunk people interact, especially especially when it's larger groups. So towards the the beginning, when they were when she was first meeting with the guys and they were you know running around in the streets acting all crazy, I was getting extremely annoyed by that. Yes, and, and I, I understand like, right. that you're kind of giving you're providing some backstory you're you know developing these characters but at the same time i don't know what development you gave me well yeah and and that just goes back to what i was saying about they they kind of intentionally write themselves into a corner because first of all you have to justify the fact that she's meeting these these guys for the very first time this night and in the in an hour and a half makes the decision to do this thing with them. That's the whole thing that I think is <laughs> fucking idiotic. The it's, fact that she's just like, yep, okay. Yeah, it's it's a hard sell. It's it's definitely a hard sell, but I think that And based that, and what's it based on? It's based on San saying that like, hey, you play the piano really well. Well I had a moment. And she's like, I'm all in. I don't know what you guys are getting into. I mean, I should probably take the the fact that you just stole a car right in front of my eyes. Yeah. I should probably take that into account as maybe what we're doing is not on the up and up. But sure, let's do it. I think that there was, uh, I think that 
the the piano scene and then the scene on the rooftop i think that those two scenes kind of cemented in the fact that she for whatever reason was really taken with these guys and just it it seemed like she was kind of a lonely person she was in a foreign country she didn't know anybody she didn't know the language yeah uh and she just she seemed kind of uh lost and you know when these guys came and showed her a fun night she just kind of plus again she was wasted so that probably lowered her inhibitions and made her sign on to do this thing but yeah it is a it's definitely a hard sell <laughs> and especially the end when you're trying to get that that emotional impact i'm just like i'm not believing it like i'm sorry huh oh especially yes especially <laughs> at the at the very at the very at the very end yeah i'm just uh, like no that that was yeah that one i i had a hard time buying into that as well her her reactions and all of that yeah and just i don't the other thing to kind of mirror or not mirror to kind of cloak this the single take thing is Niels Fromm's um, score, which I thought was interesting. And in, you know, a couple of instances where they just cut they cut out the dialogue and just have yeah. this piano score going. Yeah, which, I like that. Which to me, just I'm guessing they're whatever's contained underneath there. The dialogue is either they're fucking up or it's just not that interesting. So yeah. you just covered up with Niels from music. I liked I liked that also because the way that it looked, it almost looked as if in a regular movie there would be a montage there. You yeah. know what I mean? It, it it would be a montage of that music playing and then them doing whatever they're whatever it is that they're doing. But I, I actually liked uh that. I thought that was uh, an interesting technique to, to do it that way. But yeah. Yeah. I didn't I agree with you that I didn't think that it was necessary to do it in one take. I mean, you, you could have made this movie just traditionally, but for me, the fewer cuts in a movie, the better. So, yeah, well, yeah, for me too, but I don't like the fact that it's, it's promoted like, because they, they essentially frame it as a gimmick. Let's be honest, because you're putting it right there in the it tagline. Is, well, so it, it all the attention is drawn to the one take, which the the thing that I love about a long take or a single take is the fact that when you have one of those and the realization that comes when you're like two or three minutes into it and you have that realization like, oh shit, they haven't cut yet. And then you, you know, you kind of get excited about it and you're like, how long are they going to do this for? Yeah. That's like, that's the main appeal of a, of a long take. That's what I love about a long take. So when you just go out and you're like one take, one night, one girl, it's like, okay, so all the attention's on the one take and then you're going to back it up with the one take not being interesting at all. Like there's no, there's no beauty in the one take that they're doing. It doesn't add any tension, which is usually what you use a one take for. It, it doesn't do anything. It doesn't add anything to the movie outside of like we can slap it on the poster and say we did this in one take. I would disagree with the the whole tension thing because when everything culminates at the end and they do the thing that they're gonna do, uh, I think that the, that the one take definitely ramps up the tension, especially when you know she's the getaway driver and then they go in and something happens that that kind of now see things up and well, to the, me to me that was very suspenseful. See the thing that I didn't like there is 
you took the easy route out. And I know that it's called Victoria, so you're going to keep the camera on Victoria. But at the same time, you have one, you finally have something that's going to be complex outside of just people walking to other places or driving to another place. You have something that's going to be complex that would be extremely impressive if you pull that off. And you don't. You don't do it. You just ignore it and yeah, keep but, it on Victoria, which I understand why you're keeping it on Victoria because it's her movie and it's named after her. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, what's the point of the single take then if you're not going to do something impressive with it outside of people moving to another place? The other thing I noticed that was interesting is that they did keep stay with her the entire movie, except at the end when they go to the hotel. Did you notice that? They, they don't, they, we stay with the Sone guy. Yeah. After she comes back from the, from the bathroom. Yeah. For a little bit there. Yeah. Thought that was kind of uh, odd. The only and the other thing that I don't like, as even though I like Niels Brahms' score here and I think it's fantastic, it did it bothered me because it it kind of gave the film this uh, solemnity that I don't think it deserved at all. Like it just felt way too too serious and defined or refined for what was happening on screen. It just it felt odd to me, even though I did enjoy it. It's like, I don't know if this is the right movie for Niels from music. I don't know. It, it didn't It didn't really bother me one way or the other. I liked the score. I thought it was fine. It didn't feel out of place to me, really. It, it seemed okay. I thought that there was complexity in the, the aftermath of the, uh, well, we can say it's a heist. I, I don't think that that's a spoiler. <laughs> oh, I'm pretty man. sure that's in the trailer. You fucked it up fucked it up dude spoiled it i i think that there is some complexity in in that the whole getaway thing and everything with the cops and i thought there was a fair amount of complexity in that i mean there's there's a shootout yeah but you can't really tell what's going on in the shootout because you got shaky handheld going on and you just hear gunshots that's about it and people ducking behind things yeah but it worked for me uh, i i was masking really everything there's no point to the single take i don't like it Piss me off. This movie pissed me off. I don't like this movie. Just throw that out there. Was there was there a point to the single take <clears throat> in Birdman? No, not really. I didn't really like the single take in Birdman either. Yeah, because if I remember correctly, you you were not really taken with the cinematography in that one either. No. Hmm. Hmm. Just not. You yeah, know, like uh, like I'll bring up like uh, Russian Ark. Okay, for example, that's a single take and. The single take in there is, you know, him guiding you through a museum and just giving you so much information. I mean, to me, that's impressive because there's a shit ton of dialogue. He's relaying so much information to you. They're moving about this museum, getting things set up because they actually, you know, kind of like go back in time. There's pageantry, there's dancing, there's choreography. There's so much to it where it's like, wow, this is fucking impressive. Here is just people walking around. And the camera, most of the time, is just uptight on their faces. So I can't really see anything. And to me, there's really no point to it. Mm. I'm reminded of, uh, speaking of Russian arc, I'm reminded of uh, when I watched and rated uh, PVC1 on Letterboxd, there was a, a review on there that said, like Russian arc, except not for dumb nerds. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought- I don't know. I just I thought that was really funny. <laughs> that was uh, a review by Mac Chill fifty four on Letterbox. 
shout out to him. That was that made me laugh quite a bit. I do. I like that review. I um yeah I I, I like the I like the single take thing in this. I thought because imagine yeah I I agree it is a gimmick sure but I I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with a gimmick in a movie. I think that sometimes people would just want to try something different. And yeah, but think of it this way: if you take the single take out of Victoria, sure. Yeah, absolutely. What do, you, what do you think of this movie then? It's idiotic, is what I'm saying. See, like, if you take the single take out and just if you just focus on the story that you have here, it's it's outlandish. It's ridiculous. But yeah, I, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I would say that it's idiotic. I I think that at at best it would be probably an average, uh, you know, drama heist heist drama. Like if they did, I'm trying to imagine what they would be able to do if they took the single take out. You know what I mean? Like well, number they could, one, they would be able to show the heist. They would, and they would also be able to probably shorten the movie. Oh, because what they could do is they could have it. Yes. <laughs> they could have it be uh, her becoming friends with these guys over the course of, you know, a week or whatever, and getting to know them more gradually. So they wouldn't have to cram in all that, all of that uh, justification of of her willingness to do this thing in one single night. Yeah. So they'd be able to kind of draw it out a little bit, and as a result, that would that in and of itself would justify uh, making the the length shorter because then we would see the passage of time. You know what I mean? So. Well, yeah. They Plus wouldn't it- have to show the 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 character development on screen yeah plus you would strengthen that whole to her getting into this because as it stands right now what i see in victoria is just no i do not see that happening exactly but at the end of the day i think that 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 it was designed to be kind of this uh whirlwind of a night thing and it was like supposed to be kind of crazy and outlandish like this is all happening in one night what is going on here (laughs) these people are crazy (laughs) the other thing i want to point out and this is just completely off well it's slightly on top but it doesn't have much to do with me i didn't know westons were so nice (laughs) the fuck and i enjoyed the uh the shot of the rolex building at the end i didn't even take notice to that she's the rolex building she's walking past it i thought she was gonna go buy a rolex Oh yeah, no, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. She doesn't though. Spoiler. <laughs> well, maybe she does, and they just didn't show it. Maybe. Yeah. So that's that's Victoria. Any final thoughts? Uh, no, not really. All right, let's go ahead and give this a score. I'm gonna say, uh, let's see. This is this is a toughie. I'll say, uh, I'll give it a six and a half. Okay. I'm gonna give it a three and a half. Man, your ratings are so harsh. <laughs> They're harsh. <laughs> Sometimes they're harsh. I'm sorry. You're either you're either like throwing out the sevens or you're throwing out the twos and threes. I'm just, <laughs> you know, I give it what I give it. But you, you know, you, you know me. It, once you got, I, I naturally become a little more, little more harsh when the runtime gets up there. You know what I mean? Like this is each my minute, time. This is my time. All right? Each minute that clicks by, it's like a quarter of a point. I was so pissed because I forgot to wear my watch. So I was completely lost watching Victoria. I wanted to check that watch so many times, but I forgot to wear it. And I'm not going to pull out my phone, obviously. I'm not a dick. Yeah. It, it, well, it wasn't a big deal to me because it had that delicious popcorn. 
It was so good. And I got tater tots. They they have these fantastic. See how much how much of your your appreciation of this movie is being, you know, being glossed over the experience. The delicious food and the experience that you had. I would say that it is an influencer. Because <laughs> I've seen I've seen a couple shitty movies at the Alamo Draft House, but they've always been better because of the delicious draft house food. So I don't know that I I think the experience is definitely a factor. I think that your movie going experience always, even if it's like a subconscious thing, I think that it always plays a factor. Oh, it definitely does. Your whole like emotional mindset when you go into a movie, everything, all that stuff plays a part. Yeah, whether sure. people want to admit or not, it does. You can't tell me it doesn't. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's why the festival <clears throat> bump is a thing. No, you, you know? yeah. You're always going to get a bump when you see it in a more, you know, community-driven type yeah. of an aspect. You know, I think you take the same movie, see it in a theater with one other person, just two of you in a big empty theater, and you see it in a full-packed theater. Yeah. You're going to come away with something different. Absolutely. Absolutely. There you have it. That's Victoria. That is playing in select cities right now. Uh, this is not on VOD, so you'll have to wait a little bit to see this one let's talk about some of what we've been watching now as i said i've been sick this week so i literally have not i watched one movie um but i'm gonna start i'm actually gonna talk about two tv shows that i've been meaning to talk about for a couple weeks is one of them master of none it is yes yes so have you started watching this oh my god yes i can't so i I have one episode left and i've been like i have it perched on my mantle I just keep I finished, staring at it, and I long for it, but I'm trying not to do it. I finished it last night. Um, so this is the Aziz Ansari series on Netflix right now. If you have not seen this show, watch it. It is incredible. The First off, the thing that surprised me right out of the gate was the quality of this show, the visual quality of this show, mm-hmm. because it looks like a fucking movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't... I, I haven't looked into like the production of this or anything, but it almost looks like it's shot on film. Well, you got and you got some good directors working on this. You have uh, yeah. James Ponsel, uh Lynn Shelton does a couple episodes. Is Eric Werheim, yeah, Eric Werheim does, does a couple, and he's he's in the show. He's one of the like one of uh, friends, yeah, <laughs> and he's hilarious because he's doing his Eric Wareheim thing, but it's not. At, completely out of control like tim and eric style it's it's a little bit more sub- subdued it's believable but it's still ridiculous and and hilarious it's like the gentle giant man child yes yes and i love it uh, I, I love everything about this show it is just uh it's out of control like the music is good the i love the opening titles of every episode uh i like normally i find that shows that deal with like each episode is a different topic. Uh, I find that to be a little played out because there's so many shows that have done that over the years. Like I, I remember when uh, when uh, it's always sunny first started, and they they kind of did the same thing. Yeah, and it was like it was like good at first, but then it kind of I don't know, it just gets worn out. But in this, it's just such a fresh take on all of that stuff, and it's almost as if he's taking his stand up routine and complete just translating it into a show and it just it works so wonderfully and uh the writing is just on point and uh it's hilarious 
Oh, I don't. I've been laughing so hard watching this show. Yeah, I mean it's and I love that it takes place. I love that it takes place in New York, and they just everybody jokes about like certain New York things. You know that that's like a common thing. Is like, oh, it's uh, only in New York. It's like silly, silly stuff. But but there's a lot of kind of nuanced jokes that that don't get told a lot that are in in this show that i well they're not told with like a giant spotlight on them yeah like "Ah, we're skewing new york right guys yeah so definitely watch that show it's it's so i just i want so many seasons of this yeah i i i'm sure it's it's been very successful so i'm sure that they'll they're uh gonna be working on a new one the other show i wanted to mention was uh ash versus evil dead i've been trying to remind myself to talk about this show on the on the show for about three weeks now and i keep forgetting but uh they're three episodes into the the new evil dead show i was a little cautious going into this one because i just didn't know if it was gonna work honestly it's on stars so that right there was kind of a red flag for me because you know what is what is stars known for but uh i gotta say Forgot that it's, stars was the thing to be yeah. honest, until just now. It's a channel. It's a channel on your TV. <laughs> you get that with, with, with the cable. Get that with yeah. the cable. Yep. The extended, <laughs> extended cable. I love talking in antiquated terms. Great. Uh, so the show is. If you're a fan of Evil Dead, watch the show. Full stop. It is uh, exactly what you would want in an, in a new Evil Dead. It stars Bruce Campbell, the one-liners, the snappy dialogue. I mean, it is, it's almost as if Sam Raimi is, he's not, he's involved with the show, but he's not writing and directing it or anything like that. He's producing it, and I'm sure that he has some oversight in in what goes into it, but uh, the, the people that are handling this show are clearly fans of the series, and they seem to know what the fans want. And they seem to know exactly what made Evil Dead uh, such a such a cult favorite. And it's out of control, gory. It's hilarious. Bruce Campbell is so funny in this, um, and it's just absolutely worth worth checking out. Very surprised at how good this show is. <laughs> the uh, the effects work is a little spotty at times. I will say that. I mean, it, it does have that kind of TV quality effects work but for the most part it's pretty good i mean they they use practical effects anywhere they can uh, but some of the stuff is so crazy that they obviously have to use cg but yeah i mean it's the amount of gore in this show holy crap it's it's insane and it's amazing and wonderful Hmm. and i love it so ash versus evil dead check it out oh it's another show that has some great opening and closing titles i mean they're yeah it's awesome that's so. gotten it's gotten crazy good in the last yeah. couple of years here you know how they're talking about like the golden age of television yeah golden age of titles golden age of titles man holy crap there have been some really great titles in in movies and tv shows the the titles in fargo the tv show every week i'm just like oh i love it <laughs> it's it's so awesome <laughs> Because they do the way that they do their opening titles every week, it's sort of the same, but it it comes up at different times, and it's just it's just classy. When you see it, you're just like, man, that's that classy. Nothing can get you more into a show 
or film than just a good if you're gonna do an opening title sequence you know yeah i'm a i'm a fan of the cold open so i like the show to just start and then the titles to pop in later i enjoy that i also like when the when you do the old the movie just starts there's no credits no nothing and then the movie ends with the title card just like like that too yeah you were watching this yeah i definitely like that too so anyway those are the two shows i wanted to mention be sure to check those out all right well i got one movie i only got to see one other movie this week uh and that's here's to the future by gina Teleroli. And this is, I guess, what, it started November 9th, so last Monday. This and Kurt Walker's Hit to Pass were both released on the internet for free. I'm, well, each one has a, like a PayPal link for donations and whatnot for their future projects. So you're able to see both of these. Um, I checked out this one. I actually have a review up for it. We have another review coming for Hit to Pass, which should be up today. Well... I always forget that this comes out later. So it came up Sunday. Uh, This one is interesting in the sense that it's a micro-budget indie documentary of sorts of just showing uh, a group of friends recreating a scene from a a movie from 1932. So they just pick one scene. There's a number of actors. Uh, They have like three each. It's just it's a simple scene of dialogue between a man and a woman so they have like three actors for the for the male role three actors for the female role and they just kind of like cycle through it and they just keep redoing the scene over and over and over again and then cut in cut in with all this is you know just behind the scenes footage and the most interesting thing about it for me is number one how fun it all looks like as you're watching it, you essentially just want to stop it and just call your friends up and do it yourself. So it's inspirational in that sense where it just kind of shows you that even though, yes, it is pretty difficult, at the same time, it is attainable. Like, you can do this. Mm-hmm. It's not that difficult. And, again, just how fun it looks. I want to do this. Mm. I want to make a movie, but I won't. I'm never going to do that because I don't have the time. <laughs> if I could get the time somewhere... You make the time. I, if you're passionate, you make the time. I, I, I can't, unless you want to do like some experimental film about me doing yard work, then cool. Ooh. Grab your GoPro, meet me at my house. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> film me doing that yard work. So that's Here's to the Future. And uh, you know what? I'll just probably throw a link in the show notes for yeah. that. You can also go to the site and we have links on the site as well Yeah, for that one. Get, get uh, the the only other the only mo- other movie that I saw this week was uh, one called Landmine Goes Click. Oh boy, this one is I was interested in it because a I thought it was an interesting title, and b the 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 premise and the trailer made it out to be kind of interesting. Basically, it's about uh, three friends who are on a, a vacation in Georgia, the country, not the state. And one of the one of the three friends steps on a landmine and they have to they're kinda out in the middle of nowhere. They're they're out hiking and they have to you know try to try to get help and get him off this landmine. However, in actuality, that's not really what the movie is about. So Okay, so I'm gonna, what you just described sounds in, like tense. 
extremely yeah. tense. Yeah, it 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 sounded like it kind of sounded like No Man's Land a little bit. Remember that one mm-hmm. where the guy the 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 guy uh I don't know if he stepped did he step on it or was he like laying on it? I can't remember. But um yeah, it sounded it sounded kind of like that. It sounded really tense, suspenseful. It's kind of like that sort of containment thriller type thing that I like where it's this this guy's trapped, but that's not what happens. What happens is and this is uh, a very mild spoiler for the movie. So if, if you're planning on seeing it, maybe just skip ahead a couple minutes. Um, what happens is this this guy is out hunting, presumably with his dog, and he finds them. And instead of helping them, he kind of starts fucking with them. And he makes the the girl of the group like strip, and then he he it gets nastier and nastier and nastier, and he's trying to manipulate them. And uh, it, it eventually escalates and, and gets violent. And then for the final act, it completely shifts gears and turns into something of uh, like a rape revenge movie of sorts. Jesus. And I'm not going to get into the, the events that transpire to get to that point, just in case anybody is interested in seeing it. But... Um, I, I will warn you that there is a, a very disturbing, eh, somewhat disturbing rape scene that is entirely too long in it and unnecessary. Oh my god! Why is it like? Why is it like every movie? The only way a woman can get revenge is through rape. Yeah, well, it's not even. It's it, this is even worse than that because it's not the the girl that's getting revenge. It's something else, but <clears throat> it just doesn't work. The uh, the whole premise is—it's not really—it's it, just poorly marketed. This movie, like, the, you think that the whole movie is going to be him trying to figure out how to get off this mine, but that's not—that's not it. That's not what happens. And the the editing is really bad in this. There was one scene, culminating scene. It was a big moment, and the editing was so poor that I had no idea what happened or how things got from point A to point B. I was just like, wait a minute, what? What just happened there? Oh, jeez. It, it was a mess, and the uh, cinematography was, was, it was, I'm not going to say it was bad, but I didn't like it. I didn't like the specific style. It, it almost looked like, like the camera was constantly moving and swooping around. It, it looked like, and I don't know if this was how how they actually did it but it looked like it was all done with drone work Mm. it seemed like there were a lot of drones involved i don't know if that's true it might have just been you know future of cinema now it might have just been like a lot of crane shots where things were kind of swooping around above everybody but um i didn't like that either i didn't like the swoopy the swoopy floaty camera that was going all over the place in this movie maybe it's to distract you from the garbage that it's projecting yeah, it's a nasty. It's a nasty film. It's it's a movie that is. It, it will not make you feel good. It is not entertaining whatsoever. It is. It is very dark. It gets. It gets very disturbing towards the end, and uh, it's 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 nothing like what you would expect. And I think that they shouldn't have marketed it like this if that's not what the movie is. Yeah. So. I have a full review for this up on the site, so you can read uh, my more detailed thoughts on it. But uh, Landmine Goes Click, not worth not worth a look. It is available on VOD right now, so you can 
check it out. It came out uh, came out on your birthday, I believe. Oh yeah, on the tenth. So birthday present. All right, let's uh, talk about some predictions, shall we? Last week, and pull up my list. The thirty-three. You said fifty-two. I said sixty-three. Actual forty. <laughs> so yeah, thirty-three. Not not what you do. I wish it got a thirty-three. That would have been amazing. <laughs> That would have been fantastic. By the sea, you said 30, I said 38, actual 32. All right. Love the Coopers. Can't re get family. <laughs> Shouldn't it be love the Coopers? Like love, comma, the Coopers? I have no idea. But to my knowledge, it's just love the Coopers. It's you gotta, like, you gotta love them Coopers. Love the Coopers. You said 24, I said 18, actual 16. Yikes. Mm. Next week, we have The Night Before. This is the Seth Rogen comedy, Christmas comedy. Got some Joseph Gordon-Levitt in there. Some, uh... Anthony Mackie? Anthony Mackie. Oh, that. What do you think about this one? I'm going to say 76. I'm going to say 68 on that one. Looks pretty funny, uh, but I don't know. I'm just not... I'm not feeling that one for some reason. I'll, I'll go see it probably, but yeah, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. The trailers are just like, eh, meh, more of the same. Slow mo party scene. Yep, gotta have that slow mo party scene. Soon you're gonna have to be done with drones. Oh shit, <laughs> it's gonna be flying out of control. <laughs> oh, we also have Legend. That's the Tom Hardy one. Um. You know, I thought that this was going to be pretty good, but I heard that it's it's not great. So I'll say 48 on that one. I'm going to say 54. Okay. Secret in Their Eyes. That's the one with Julia Roberts. Oh, it's the the remake of that Ar- Argentinian film. Is it? I yeah. wondered. Yeah. I wondered. The Argentinian film was not good. So I'm going to go ahead and say that this is not going to be good either. I'm going to say 61. Okay. And I'll say... uh, I'll say 46. Okay. Okay. And finally, Hunger Games Mockingjay Part 2. Oh, are These are usually uh, fairly highly rated, I think. So, you know, I'll just say 67 on that one. I'm going to say 70. Okay. In limited release next week, we have Carol. Are you interested in that one? Oh, I'm ex- no. I am. I am. Yeah. I'm, for some reason. For some reason, not not too into the, into the Carol. We have hashtag horror. <laughs> hashtag horror. I mean, I'm guessing that's how you say it. I like to say pound sign horror. Uh, number sign horror. A very semi-serious. That's the documentary about the New Yorker political cartoons oh that should be (laughs) not dry (laughs) kingdom of shadows and mediterranea that's the one i'm excited for uh mild interest in that one next week on vod we have pound sign horror and mediterranea (laughs) uh pound sign horror yeah not not a lot going on on the vod front next week so Uh, not sure on Blu-ray, we have uh, The Hobbit, The Battle of Five Armies, Extended Edition. Ooh, we Extended have, uh, Edition. Are you serious? 
Yeah, as if the other the regular edition wasn't long enough. Come on, guys. City of Lost Children, 20th anniversary edition on Blu-ray. Oh, sweet lord. Do you do you remember what a huge fan of that we were? I think that might have been like one of the first films that kind of solidified. Yeah, it, I'm pretty sure it was. That was that, like that, one of the first things that we saw that wasn't, you know, like a Kevin Smith movie. Yeah. That, that was like the at the at the regal yeah that was like i think one of the during the turning point in our like movie watching careers where all of a sudden we realize like holy crap like i'm i'm going to really dive into this movie new movie thing and yeah i think it was one of the first get, things that kind of made you really like oh shit it like you can do things with movies yeah movies when you are realize art? it's like yeah, exactly. Hold so, up. I didn't know that. I, def- I definitely want to rewatch that on Blu-ray. I think it'll be interesting to revisit that after... I haven't seen that in years. So, uh, The Man from Uncle. It's the, the Guy Ritchie one, which I have not seen, but I do plan on checking that out this week because I heard pretty good things. Yeah. So, good stuff. Maru is coming out. Faults is getting a Blu-ray release. Okay. I was a big fan of that. You liked Faults, didn't you? Faults was pretty good. Yeah. What do we have on the Criterion front? Uh, first one we have is In Cold Blood, 1967, Richard Brooks, based on that Truman Capote bestseller. Mm-hmm. hmm that. Yeah, I'm interested in that. Get it. Uh, and then you have the Apu Trilogy, which I nice. think this is the first time it's been released on you know DVD in America for you, for you guys, for all of us. So you got all three of them in there, hence the trilogy. Yeah, that's cool. Coming out on Blu-ray, which is, it, it's odd because it's considered, you know, these films are considered like some of the best films ever made. And it's just now, just now coming out in America on like, you know, a decent DVD Blu-ray edition. Yeah. Which I always find, I always find that so odd, you know, that you'll have these movies on like the sight and sound greatest movies of all time. And it's like, well, where can I see it? Oh, you can't. You can't. Sorry. Never came out. <laughs> it's the best, but <laughs> no one can see it. Yeah, that's kind of weird. All right. Well, I think that that's going to do it for the week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcast at filmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. And take a minute to look at our Patreon page if you could. Patreon.com slash filmpulse. And consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson, and we'll see you next week. Thank you.